Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we say this almost every time we have a guest on, so maybe this diminishes what we're about to say. But we have one of the greats with us again. Or maybe it's just we're lucky. You call everybody a great. Come on, man. Come on. Well, Evan's, they, not, Evan's not that stupid. He knows that you're just you're just uh, putting him on. Come on. Well, I mean, that everybody that comes in here is, is really, really good, right? And maybe it's just because I'm always amazed somebody wants to spend a little time with us. We have, we have a very talented staff, Sean. I mean, that's just the fact. But there's no question that Evan Petzold has the best hair in sports media. And unfortunately, he's wearing, nobody can see this, but he's wearing a hat right now. He's keeping us from watching that beautiful mane. I mean, it's it's just, it's resplendent. Well, yeah, it, I, didn't, it, I, didn't, I didn't have enough time to polish it up. I had to, oh, I slicked okay, it good. back, threw on a hat. You know, it takes a little bit of work. It takes a little bit of work. Well, it certainly balances out what I don't have. So I guess that uh, that's a good thing if we're looking at the ledger of the overall freak standings in the hair department. That, we have hair hair power rankings at the free press. Well, I don't know. I mean, apparently you. I mean, you've got good hair too, so you you can you can talk about hair all you want. It's I have it's, hair, yeah, yeah. I used to have hair. It was more of a Rick Ocasek kind of a look. It's probably it's probably predating Evan. You got to okay. Next, one of these days, you got to show us actual photographic proof of when you had hair because I've never. Other than when you were like five years old, I've seen pictures. No, from, I I didn't really really start losing it until my mid thirty early thirties probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. We need proof next time. Yeah. 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 Sorry, so, Evan. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We've taken up all our time. Thanks for, ha- for thanks for joining us. Yeah, and by the way, Evan, I just want you to know if Carlos suddenly implodes or disappears <laughs> from the screen, it's because today he's going to write his third column in three days. And that's probably a new thing for him. And I don't know what that, I don't know what that's going to do to the universe. It's a lot and the of equilibrium. So if he just up and disappears, I think that's probably going to explain it. I love you guys going at it. This is too good. <laughs> oh man, Evan's right. written, written three stories before you even came on on the chat with us. Yeah, today. no kidding. He's the he's the Dave Burkett of the Tiger Beat, <laughs> or should we say Dave is the Evan of the Lions oh. Beat? Oh, I don't think we can say that. No, I don't okay. think we can say that. <laughs> that's that's a little bit too far. Out of respect right. for Dave, no way. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Thanks for joining us, Evan, uh, on the the what what's the name of the show? The the Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's just we, Carlos. The Carlos we almost renamed show. it. We weren't sure about your your uh, participation, so we also almost renamed it Free Press Sports with Evan and Carlos. So, uh, well, no, that I think that's great. And, well, we're glad to have Evan in. We're going to get to the Lions a little bit later because I think they won a game, and Carlos is very excited about that. But before we get to that, let's get into uh, the new ti- Tigers president of baseball operations, Scott Harris. He talked to I don't know a thousand media people the other day at Comerica Park. And uh, Evan was front and center and had about 10 questions. So uh, tell us what you think, Evan. No, I mean, I, I was interested, um, just like kind of the rest of us were, I think. You know, probably my biggest takeaway from it was just the overall feel. Like, I think we can pick through what he said and maybe more importantly what he didn't say. But I do think that, like, just the overall vibe of the press conference was uh, was pretty good. It was a lot different than, like, an Alavila type press conference like this is a guy who came up there with like a plan and he executed it and and I think that that's kind of resembles what he wants to do with the baseball team like you could tell the way that he walked in confident boys he kind of had that he had a really good presence about him didn't say you know too little didn't say too much um he seemed like he just had a really good feel for the situation and came in and, and kind of spoke what he felt like he needed to speak he tried to connect with the fans um talking about it being Detroit's team not his team or the front office's team or the players team but it's Detroit's team um you know tried to connect that way with the fans I thought that was a a pretty good effort um but look like obviously he understands a lot more than he let on like I think he did a good job of balancing kind of things that he wants to keep close to the chest and things that he wanted to say um and finding that balance is pretty important I think that was something that you know at certain points during his tenure I think Alavila struggled to do that um, so I think you you saw a little bit of that there. Um, but yeah, very calculated guy. I thought Chris Illich did pretty well too, the owner, um, when he had the Alavila exit press conference. Um, that was a complete mess, in, in my opinion, um, and in a lot of people's opinion. I thought he did a pretty good job um, at the press conference for Scott Harris. And um, yeah, it was interesting. There's a lot to talk about. What did you what did you guys think? That's 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 the real question. You guys we've are both only, there. Yeah, well, that's kind of you, Evan, but we've only been doing this a year, Carlos, and we kind of know the rhythm of this. So <laughs> come on, man. I thought you were sleeping, but okay. Uh yeah, I mean, I you know what? He was very polished. 
very, he's 35 years old, which is, I have socks older than that, but uh, he does not come off as a 35 year old. And that's, that's the thing, right? Everybody wants their wunderkind, their young Theo Epstein and all that. Um, and he sounds like a guy who's going to use a lot of data, a lot of analytics. And I know the, I know the Tigers were moving toward that. I mean, I mean, I, Avila talked about that, you know, we've increased our, our, focus on on data and technology and how to analyze things i don't know how much of that was how much of that he really internalized and really believed in and and put into practice but i think this guy harris is really going to do that i mean i think he's really gonna he's one of these i don't know there's probably like a major somewhere in college you know at the ivy leagues of like baseball you know president of operations for a baseball major or something there They're should all be should they? yeah they, they should, should have it. yeah yeah it's all point. it's all these uh who was the first guy? Uh, De Podesta, right? These kind yeah. of guys. And um, so, so smart guy. And really, I don't know how much he was in front of the cameras as the second in command with the Giants, but he really seems media savvy. He knows he came off as very, and that's something Al never, Al always had a little, he was a little less comfortable in front of the cameras. There was always like this kind of nervousness about him a little bit. One-on-one yeah. -on -one, off camera. He was great, very relaxed, but the cameras came on. I think it was very, I don't know what it was, a little worried, nervous, whatever. This guy seems like, oh man, I was born for this. Like he was like, boom, I am ready. Center stage. I know what to say. I know what not to say. I know how to dodge questions. I know how to give you a little bit. I have my three talking points of the three things that are important to me. You know, like he could have done a PowerPoint. I mean, it was, it was that polished. Um, but uh it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. And my big takeaway from it as a Dodger fan, and I've watched Dodgers for a long time, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to quit them, but I can't. But uh, watching them a lot is these guys have insane plate discipline at the plate, the hitters. I mean, they just do not chase back. I don't know how they do it. Top to bottom, all their guys. And that's what he's talking about, the strike zone. He's talking about both sides, both, you know, pitching and hitting. But the thing with the Dodgers to me, they've always been have great pitching. They just as an organization, the Giants have two. But the, you watch the Giants and you watch the Dodgers and their chase rate is so low. They just have so much discipline. And if you watch that kind of thing, if they can apply that to the Tigers, if nothing else, forget all about this. We want to have our young guys and grow them in the system. Of course, everybody wants to do that, you know. But if you can apply that, use data to apply more, better play discipline, getting the players to, to be better uh, on a on a at-bat you know, per at bat basis, you will see significant improvement in this team. So I, I hope he brings that to the Tigers. Let me just For ask sure. you, let me just ask you this, Evan. Oh, do you want to answer? It's that not first? your turn, Evan. Sean, I don't, Sean, I don't, Sean. I don't really think there was a question in there. So I wanted to provide one, but go ahead of it. What no, do you I think, just, Sean? No. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but, but also, I mean, no, look, I, I think that what you said about, you know, the chase rate is, is huge. I mean, the Tigers have the worst chase rate in baseball. Like they're like, and obviously a lot of that is driven by Javier Baez, but it's also kind of, throughout the farm system though, right? Because like, that's, that's kind of the other point that he talked to was, you know, player acquisition and, you know, okay, let's, let's scout and, and try to find players that we want that kind of fit this mold of the strike zone, right? Let's draft the players that kind of fit this mold. Let's acquire them. Let's sign them internationally. Um, you know, let's make trades for them. Like let's target this, you know, these types of players, for example, and then really allow everything to build, build from that. So that was kind of my follow-up to that, but. The one thing, the one thing that's going to be very interesting, and he did say this winter we're going to we're going to be active and we're going to make calculated risks. We're not going to be risk averse. Something the Giants did. I read this in a story in the Athletic, I think it was, and it was something like the Giants have made twenty trades this year since March, and that's not just him, obviously, at the, with the Giants, but that he comes from that kind of aggressive mindset. And he said we're kind of going to be a little bit aggressive in, in, in finding the people in this roster and maybe getting. Who knows? Maybe getting rid of some people. Uh, so that that should be fun, at least, right? There's gonna not fun for you, Evan, in the off season, but it's gonna be fun to watch how it how it unfolds, how aggressive they are. Definitely, definitely. I think um, you know, definitely there will be people on the way out. Um, you know, with the roster, and, and I think that kind of extends to you know all throughout the organization, whether it's you know the front office, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the training staff, when down to the players, like there there will be a lot of moves made, and there will be a lot of changes, and. Some of them, you know, we're going to be able to see, you know, right up and close because there's going to be, you know, trades or, you know, free agent, you know, additions, but others are going to be more kind of in the background moves that are made to um, try to build a, a good organization, an organization that, that can win. Sean. Evan, I, Evan I'm curious. Um, I'm going to try to remain calm here. <laughs> All right. So I don't want to sound, and this is terrible to, 
start off anything with. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to sound. But first of all, just for our listeners out there, they're over 30 or especially 40 and uh, God forbid 50, right? When we say chase rate, we can say, oh, yeah, the person's got a good eye because it's the same thing. And as far as I know, the evolution of hand-eye coordination has not changed other than the fact that there are more people on the planet. So you're probably going to find more people with better hand-eye coordination as a matter of mathematics. That's the kind of mathematics that I'm interested in, by the way. And, I, you know, Evan, I'm curious. To, for, for, let me just throw this out there. Would Scott Harris have taken Spencer Torkelson? Because I bet he would have taken Riley Green. But would he have taken Torkelson? I think so. Yeah. I think at that point, Torkelson was considered a, you know, consensus one, one. I think he was kind of the guy in that draft that I think any, I think anybody that had number one overall pick probably would have taken him. Because I, and I ask you that just because I'm curious because we heard yesterday, we heard at the, the press conference with Scott Harris, a lot about, I mean, obviously a lot about development, but also just sort of finding guys. Right. And it, he didn't say we want different kind of players, but he sort of implied that to a degree. And I'm curious what you think, that means and what kind of players are they going to go get other than other than guys that can just you know square the ball up how about well, that i think that's what i think that's what term. they need is guys that can move the ball forward i mean like yep. you know, when you're swinging it pitches outside the strike zone and when you're striking out way too much and you're you're not moving the ball forward in situations where you need to be um i mean that that was the biggest problem right like they weren't they haven't scored runs um for the most part of this entire season like the the it, the offense has been abysmal and um, I think that comes down to having enough players in the organization that can literally just move the ball forward at a more consistent rate. Like, I think that is the key um, from an offensive standpoint in terms of what they need to figure out. And on the pitching side, like, I think there's a lot of good pieces in there. And I think that, you know, guys like Chris, Chris Fetter and Gabe Rebus and, um, you know, Ryan Garko in the player development department. Um, I think they've done a really good job of developing some young pitchers. We've seen like Bo Brisky and uh, Garrett Hill and, and a number of young pitchers. Joey Wentz has looked really good recently after he went down and, you know, worked on being more in the strike zone. That was the focus. And um, he's been really good his last two times out. So I think there's some momentum on the pitching side, but I think like from the hitting side, like it, it, it sounds super simple. And, and I know it's not that simple, but they do need guys that can move the ball forward and that aren't striking out as much. Um, and they're, they're able to put the ball in play, move runners up. Um, hit to the gaps. Power's, power's a big thing. There has been absolutely no power on this team. Um, I think Javier Baez leads you with, you know, 14 home runs. Like, that's not enough. Um, so I think it's trying to find the right blend of guys that can move the ball forward and aren't going to be these strikeout machines, um, but can also hit for some power and drive in some runs. And look, that's a tough, that's tough to find, right? Like, that's, that's, a, rare, that's a rare breed, but that's why it's difficult. And that's why it's important to be able to single those players out and then also develop that out of them too. Like, get the most out of those players. I think that, you know, one thing he said about, you know, finding different players and finding guys, I think he mentioned finding guys who do things a little bit differently to give Hinch more options in his lineup. Um, and I think it's not, I mean, chase rate's important, but also power is like you guys are saying power is important or hitting the other way or whatever it might be, you know, like some guys are going to strike out the power guys are probably going to strike out more, you know, that's just a, that's just, you know, reasonable, but having that, you know, and I think, you know, as a Dodger fan, you know, the, they're, they've been so good for so long now, um, you know, recently. And, and you see that, you know, like, I don't know whoever it might be. I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the numbers like, you know, off the top of my head, but like Bellinger is a guy who I think he's, he chases a lot. He's looking for power he has a really hard swing all the time. I mean, his chase rate is probably not great, but you know, you have to have that too. You have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit and like, Hey, this is a team we need power here or going against, you know, righty lefty matchups or whatever, finding, finding the kind of, you know, blend in your roster that can go against, you know, Hey, we're going against this team that does certain things. Well, we got to counter it with this team. And it, it, that goes for both sides, right. Pitching and, and hitting. So I think that's where like the, the, the stats should be important in this we need these kind of players. We need to develop them. We need to find them in free agency, whatever it is. But this is how and you look at the Dodgers and, you know, someone like Chris Taylor came out of nowhere. I think he was a Seattle, just some mediocre guy who, you know, and he's become like a semi star for them. I mean, he's really a valuable player for them. Um, you know, they, they, they find people like that. And through all the analytics, through all the study, through all the tape, through all the, whatever the, the regressions they're running and, you know, they, they can tell these guys using data points, using science, like this is what you need to do. And I think this is part, 
I don't know how much this is true, right? But when they sent Grossman to, to Tampa or not Tampa, um, Atlanta, I mean, he kind of hinted at that. I wonder if they right away threw some stats at him and some some data and like, hey, listen, this is where your chase rate is. This is where your zone is. This is whatever. And like, wow, I never got that in Detroit like this. Yeah. You know, he didn't no, give that's... away the whole store, but that that might have he may have been hinting at that. No, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the the whole point of it. Like you can go look at Robbie Grossman and he started off, you know, really, really good in Atlanta. And then he hit a pretty big slump and he's had a couple of good games and some bad games. But I think it's like more just like the overall process of that, right? It's like, okay, like why were they able to provide me with that when the Tigers weren't able to do that? And and regardless then, and, of if it regardless and, of if it worked, but it is just yeah, like, hey, and, they had that for me. And then why did and then why did he slump after that? Which is another existential question. Can we right. By the way, uh, Evan, do you have a few more minutes? Yeah. Do you mind if we take a quick break and come back with you, talk a little bit more Tigers, and then we'll eventually get to the Lions, I promise, Carlos. Would that be all right, Carlos? Okay, fine. Okay, fine. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Laurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carl Shinshan. Uh, God, this is my fault. Uh, our producer, Andrew Hammond, who we have not mentioned yet, and we probably should, who makes this all possible. It's my fault. Sorry, Andrew, because Evan and I were just having, and Carlos, we're just having a, a spirited conversation, and we weren't recording. I guess it just goes to show that the amateurs we are. Not you, Evan, but me. <laughs> but me, mostly. I don't want to loop you. Carlos into that. But not uh, me. It, it, Anyway, Evan, so so do you want to give our listeners uh, a sense of what you were just talking about and where the game's going and why you hate baseball? I love baseball, and I think that, you know, the, like we were talking about, it's the it's the innovator aspect of Scott Harris that I think is really fascinating. I think, you know, as we talked about, like if you can try to figure out what's happening five years down the road and where baseball is going to be and what people are going to be trying to do, maybe it's not even five years down the road. Maybe it's one, two years down the road. I mean, maybe it is – six months, you know, I had like any little type of gap that you can create for yourself. I mean, that's going to be a huge deal. Like that's going to be, that's going to be a game changing type of philosophy to have. And um, so, yeah, I think it really impressed like Christopher Illich. We heard that um, impressed him in the interview. Um, I wholeheartedly believe in, and someone kind of know that like Scott Harris came into that interview and like delivered a plan, um, explained kind of his vision and what he wants and how he's planning to do these things because um, you know, you can, you can talk one way, but then you got to be able to show it. And so, um, I, I think that if both of them are talking about innovation and what's next and trying to, you know, get that edge, um, I think there's definitely been, been plenty of internal conversations about how to do that. Yeah. I think that's one thing that Illich mentioned. I mean, that when he was asking, well, what impressed you about Harris? And he said, you know, innovation. Um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he really explained too much about what that was, um, you know, it's probably getting a little bit too much into strategy. You don't want to give away everything, all your secrets, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, and that let's just be honest. That's asking a lot, you know, this game's 150 years old or whatever, you know I mean? Like to say, I'm going to see where this is going next. And even there is an opportunity, as Sean said, you know, with all the little changes that they're doing, you know, uh, to make the game more interesting or, you know, dynamic or whatever it is. Uh, it's still hard to predict the future and get there before anybody and to do it well, you know, I mean, that's, that can be tough. So, um, I mean, let, let's not forget, right. What are the, what are the Oakland, A's? the Oakland A's were one of the first, they were probably the right, the first money ball team. And they learned how to make use of, 
you know, their roster without having a huge payroll and whatever, but they've never won the world series. They never, I don't even know if they've gotten to the ALCS under Billy Bean. So when he was the GM, but you know, so, so you can get there first sometimes, but it doesn't mean you're going to be the most successful at it. So it'll be cool to see if he does do some innovating, something that is forward thinking that the Tigers haven't done before. Uh, let's hope that it is actually successful too on the way and that the Yankees don't just steal this and just replicate it and do it better. And Aaron judge hits 200 home runs. You know, what's interesting about this. If you guys want to hear this, maybe you don't because uh, you know, whatever, but here's my, here's my, here's my theory about how baseball works and why it's a little bit different from our other major professional sports. And, and I, I think it's, first of all, it's just the nature of the game, but beyond that, it's this lack of a um, sour cap, right? So baseball teams, you mentioned Oakland, Carlos. You can think of uh, Tampa as a good example right now. Baseball's innovative teams that have figured out ways to win differently a little bit. They do it because of they, – they have to, right? They, because they don't have as much money as New York or the Giants or, or the Cubs or whatever. So they kind of – they've been forced to do it. Baseball doesn't generally change with transcendent talent. Right. You don't you don't have a player. I'm trying to think of an example where a baseball player came in and changed the way baseball was played or changed the way you built a team. I I, I don't know that that is maybe Babe Ruth, you know, back back when it was maybe in its infancy a little bit. But if you think about the other sports, a particular quarterback, a quarterback, for example, like Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback that comes along that can do all sorts of different things that only quarterbacks used to be good at one thing or the other thing or the other thing or basketball, where somebody comes along and you build a whole team around. I mean, plays basketball in a different way. And then you build a team around that. And then everybody else wants to look for that next player baseball though. Right. It, it, it doesn't change that way. It, it changed that it changes because people are forced because of the financial inequities in the sport. And I, and I thought about this with Scott Harris yesterday when he was talking about getting ahead of the game, Evan, what does that mean exactly? What, what what ways can he be creative? I mean, the Tigers can spend. They're not the Yankees. They're not Tampa either. But 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 what ways can he get creative to come up with maybe a, a new way? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they – I know we're not going to bunt with it's a sacrifice bunt anymore, but how about just a regular bunt, like what Altuve is doing in Houston this summer? So I, I'm, I'm curious what you think about what that those possibilities are. Um, I think we, we – uh have lost Evan for the moment, Sean. I think he's uh, on a, got an emergency assignment call. <laughs> um, but well, how about you? But you, yeah, we, you and I were talking about this over the break. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about that theory, by the way? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of room actually in baseball to do things differently. And I don't understand why the, the one thing that bothers me about baseball and I love it. And I love it. And I don't mind that it's a defensive game. I don't mind that it takes time. I, I don't, I'm not like you. I have a longer attention span. I can I can appreciate the nuance of defense and you're an authoritarian. And you're, you're an authoritarian. You like I two am. people involved. You don't want anybody yes. else to get a chance. Yeah. You know, go, what read, Kevin, go read what George Will's book, Men at Work, and you'll appreciate it. If you're going to quote George Will, how about what Kevin Costner? How about what Crash Davis said? You know what? Strikeouts <laughs> are fascist. You know what I mean? This, and he also ball. said, this game's fun. Fun. Um, yeah, but spread the ball around. Let everybody else be involved. Pull the ball like Hit an the egg. Ball. Hit the yeah exactly, but hit the ball, <laughs> spread it around. No, My well, so so what bothers me is that is that like what what do you see even right now in Major League Baseball? It's not until the game is in the very late innings and they need to manufacture a run, then finally they play situational ball. They manufacture, they 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 bunt, they do something. It's like and asking asking a, a star player to bunt is like the greatest insult you could ever. You know, like it also goes the, against math, right, Carlos? What goes against math? No, it doesn't because when you have the shift, guess what? If you learn how to bunt, you could beat the shift every time. That's how you beat the stupid shift instead of having baseball have to like create a whole new set of rules for it. You know, hit it where they ain't. It's how long has that been a rule, right? I mean, no, no, no. We got to do it this way. What's I'm wrong a with that? Hitter. I got to hit it this way. Oh, go, okay, okay, fine. Then let's get rid of offsides and hockey. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm talking about with the game, all you have to do is play a little bit differently. That's it, you know, and and just it's it's as simple as that. It's like, no, 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 I'm only a pull hitter. That's the only way I'm going to be able to hit it. I'm not going to change anything about how I, you know, and, and, and you've seen little hints about this. And you know who, you know, I think it's the Astros who actually do a pretty good job at this as they work at, hey, even though I, I'm losing all my power, 
if I kind of delay my swing a little bit, hit the other way, I can beat the shift a little bit. Um, but you're right, Sean. I mean, there, there's that's just an example of there are places in the game to do things and think think about things differently and do them differently. And all that matters is, you know, winning, whether that's pitching, whether that's offense, whatever. You, if there's things you can do, if there are things you can do, uh, little looking on the and this is a team, a, a place for the Tigers on the margins, little differences on the margins. People will fall in line. If that's successful, people will fall in line and do that. No, for sure. I, you're right. There are lots of ways to adjust. When we were young, this is another good example, I think. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it's a good example. That's probably up to you to decide how uh, how arrogant of me. I'm sorry. I, uh, here's another example. How about that? When we were younger or young, I don't know, whatever, they, you know, <laughs> one of the great storylines in baseball would be when a power pitcher uh, got hurt or just simply aged. I mean, you know, forget Nolan Ryan, but a power pitcher started to lose velocity and it would force them to figure out how to pick around the margins of the zone right. and change speeds in a different way and move the ball in a different way and, um, you know, try to outfox the hitter. You know, you think this is coming. No, I'm going to come with this. And there were lots of examples of that. And the Tigers had a great example in Frank Tanana, but there were there were examples of that. That's your to your point, right? Figuring out new ways yes. to make winning things happen in the game. And, right. uh, and the Tigers had just not done any of that they were blessed with tremendous tremendous natural talent during that run right wouldn't you would, would you agree with that yes i mean they yes. had they had one of the best pitchers who's i mean justin verland is going to go down as one of the best pitchers ever right and miguel cabrera right. too i mean and, and those and were the only two. yeah yeah no exactly yeah we're talking about they had a, they they to, relative to their era yeah they had how many how many i mean they had a lot of studs for sure and I, and I remember in, in the Moneyball movie when they talked about this, and it's like your 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 goal shouldn't be to buy great players; it should be to buy runs, you know. And that's what that's what it came down to the, for them, and that's probably where a lot of the analytics tell them. But but part of it is just an old school thinking for baseball. It's just like, hey, great players, and and right now all anybody's going to talk about is Aaron Judge's sixty home runs. And I think there's just this this this. Uh, draw you know this magnetism to just have great players because they're exciting they're marketable you know having guys who you know hit the other way or or have just you know they know how to work a pitch count and get on base you know that's not as exciting um so that's the question is where can you and so a, a team like the dodgers is a good example is they do have a good blend of guys who aren't superstars necessarily but they play well within that system. They get on base, they manufacture runs. They do, they do what they need to do. You know, the Max Muncy's and the Chris Taylor's and, you know, even the Justin Turner's, you know, Justin Turner was a guy who was left for dead with the Mets and he came to the Dodgers and like his, he just skyrocketed. So there's, there's, that is the idea that, you know, you need to get players who will work within your system, not just, but it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to not, reach back and like oh the the jv era the cabrera era the scherzer era the whatever you know people want those superstars on their team so i don't know can scott harris change that can he change that thinking and that we're not going to have to go get carlos correa we're going to find a way to make javier by his work within our system and be successful and that's really the point can can they get a little bit more out of some of these guys you know the the examples, um, you were talking about him earlier. All of a sudden, why have I forgotten his name? He went to Atlanta. Uh, this is ridiculous. Grossman. Yeah, yeah. The, the example of Robbie Grossman is an interesting one, and he did do well. He talked about uh, some of their folks in their analytics department, right? Noticed a couple of things. Yeah. But, th but, then it didn't, but then it didn't stick. And, well, it's and, a small sample size, though. No, it is. It is. And maybe it will stick down the road, but that's the thing. I mean, analytics are obviously important, but they're, they're just more tools to figure out whether somebody can has hand-eye coordination, right? Well, I mean, that's, right. That, that's really what we're talking about. And parade and, is the same thing in Tampa. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's oh, he fell off too, by the way, right? I mean, he, all yeah, those, but it's it also small sample size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those homers and and sometimes too. I mean, to Hinch's point, I remember, and we don't we don't need to rehash all that. Hinch Hinch made the point that sometimes you know you get a guy in a different system and. Uh, there's the expectation of winning, which is completely different, especially in Atlanta. Well, Tampa too. And that just can, that can psychologically change too. And we don't talk a lot about that either in this game. Harris mentioned that a couple of times yesterday, right? Just the, the way, the feeling he wants, the, the, the kind of 
I don't know if he said put out a team. Did he say put out that he wants to put out a team that City can be proud of? I mean, a lot of general yeah, managers, yeah, a lot of general of managers say that. He kind said of thing, he also right? said it's the it's the city's team. I don't know. It's your team. You're the baseball president. Well, I mean, he's right though. There's no team if the city doesn't care, right? So that's the. I mean, that's that's actually the most fundamental thing in in sports, right? If there are no fans, there are no teams. So it's it's not it's not that complicated. But no, we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. By the way, I don't know that we're going to get Evan back for uh, to wrap. I don't think so. To wrap so. this baseball segment up here, but um, do you have any last thoughts before we take one more break and uh, get to the Lions on on what's going on? No, I'm just looking forward to a really interesting and and uh, crazy. And unfortunately, I didn't get to tell Evan. I'm probably he's probably a little bummed that uh, he probably thought, oh, the GM search is over. Like, nope, you got your president of baseball. Now you got to go get a. Now you got to go fire a GM, and that's a whole new coaching or a GM search and more work for him. If I really did want to channel you, by the way, I would say, why do we need a GM too? Why can't we just say GM? Why do we have to say baseball president of operations or, oper- <laughs> or president of baseball operations? Sorry. Why? Why do we have to do that? That's channeling Carlos right there, right? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, we were talking about this. I don't know if it was on camera. No, it was before you got there, actually. Evan and I were talking about how how many president uh, baseball presidents are there, you know, and obviously all these questions about, oh, this was kind of, to me, it was silly. People kept asking in the press conference, like, oh, you grew up in San Francisco and you're at the Giants and why would you cut? Well, for two th- two reasons, money and a bigger title. He's the top of the chain. He was not going to be, he was not at the top of the chain in San Francisco. So of course he would have gone anywhere that would, well, not anywhere, but he, I think the Mets tried to lure him, but, but yeah, you're going to, you get a bigger title, more money. Of course you're going to go, you're going to, you're in charge. So um, yeah. And he talked about that these jobs are becoming more complex, you know, with all the analytics and data and everything. So as Evan was saying, you know, he just probably wants a lot more, as many smart minds in the room as you can get. So it makes sense that he splits up the job a little bit. Yep. All the data. It's not just, it's, I mean, we shouldn't say data, all the analytics, the numbers, but there also, there's also a lot of data from, from video, right. And recording the way you, the way you break down things, the way you think about things. So it's not just, it's not just the numbers that study what happens after the game and all that's compiled or what's happened, you know, whatever level that game is at. It's also in, in camps and, and or breaking down swings, breaking down pitching, you know, and all that and using technology for all of that too. That's relatively new, right? I mean, when the last, what, that, 10, 10 years? That's new. And, and I, I also just wonder just, um, you know, cause he was the general manager with the giants, just, how much of it is like now we can be kind of the, you know, the 40,000 foot view here and be the overseer of the entire organization. I'd have to mess with as much of the day-to-day and the, the, you know, movement of players and the transactional things. He can leave that more to the general manager and not have to, you know, busy himself with that making phone calls necessarily. I mean, he can, he can essentially be the general manager making those decisions, but doesn't have to transact them. So that probably frees him up with a little, you know, with more time to think about other things, innovating and different things that the general manager doesn't have to concern himself with. Right. And before we get, I just want to say this one last thing, before we get too wrapped up in the idea of innovation and creativity, and obviously you need both. It's also just fundamentally, they need to improve some things within that organization in terms of the way they evaluate, right? Scott Scott Harris talked a lot about development, but also evaluate, right? And where they're going to do it and the expanse of that. I mean, uh, you know, I know uh, hard hardcore Tigers fans, maybe even casual Tigers fans, have noted for a while. You know, where are the international players coming from? You're talking about the GM, or excuse me, the Scott Harris is making or making the comment that his job's more complicated now, or it gets more complex rather as time goes on. And you mentioned part of it's the data, but part of it's also where you're getting players from and the the scope of that. It's it's really really wide, and the Tigers need to. Uh, what, what's the what's the right way to say this, Carlos? Beef up, redouble. They need to uh, they need to improve the in these areas, don't they? Right. And I would bet Harris is going to spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. What do you think? Yeah, scouting's huge, you know, and evaluating talent, the right kind of talent, and and you that's where you need that that organizational vision of these are the kind of players we want. You know, do we want? a Spencer Torkelson, or do we want, and I'm a, I mean, he's an extreme example, but, or do we want more of a, a gritty Javier Baez? You know, do we want uh, wh- whoever, you know, do we want Victor Reyes? Do we want, you know, all that stuff. They have to decide the kind of players they want. <clears throat> and then 
be accurate, <clears throat> excuse me, be accurate in their scouting. So it's, it's a huge undertaking to, to have that focus and then implement it. No, absolutely. Everybody wants a Miguel Cabrera, right? But, uh, but there are a lot of ways to find you want to right now. I don't think anybody wants. Yeah, no. Right. But, but yeah, exactly. But there are a lot of other kind of players that are, that are, can be winning players as baseball shows every year, except for your Dodgers who, who have, uh, you know, spent a lot of money kind of like the Yankees. Right. So well, the Dodgers are a good example when they had Yasiel Puig, you know, right. When he joined the Dodgers, it was like, do you really want this player? You know, and he was exciting. He was a thrill a minute, but he didn't work. Eventually they decided he's just not working with our organization. He does not, he's not the guy that we need, you know, that fits our, our mold, our focus, you know, and they got rid of him. And it was, it was unpopular because with the fans, because he was a fun player, but when he's tearing up, you know, lineup or, you know, position cards in the outfield and he's not getting along with, his coaches and whatever, it's like, it's, it's time to go. And they won a world series without him. They did. Speaking of time to go, we need to take one more quick break. Carlos. Oh, nice. Nice segue. Okay. Thank you. Uh, we will be right back to talk about Carlos's Detroit lions who are going to win the super bowl this year. Um, but we need to pay some bills first. Join us. And what Carl's I don't 30, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, something like that. It won't be too long. It won't be too long. We'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, I think it's time. We've waited long enough. Enough with the baseball stuff. The season's well, wrapping down. You know what I mean? I got to I got to apologize though. I was I was informed that I used a potty mouth word and uh exec, executive producer Anjanette Delgado will be none too happy. So our producer Andrew Hammond now has to go bleep it. But this is not my fault, Sean, because yesterday I was a guest on the ML Soul of Detroit podcast with you and Mike Elric and Mark Fallhauer. And I was explaining to Andrew that it's like when you go to the bad kid's house and there's a lot of swearing and stuff, and then you come <laughs> back and the kid has this potty mouth. That's what happened to me. I was, I was infected by your, your crass behavior and, and coarse language. So I apologize to Anjanette and all our listeners. Uh, it won't happen again. Really? So how do I make the switch? I don't know. No, you you drop some some words here and there, but you don't even care. You don't apologize to anybody. It just gets bleeped out. Yeah, not over there. It doesn't, right? I oh mean, no, 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 no holds barred. It's it's uh, it's like Animal mm. House over there. Yeah, yeah. What what word did you use? It uh, abbreviation is GD. Oh, I was well, quoting you... Bull Durham. Oh, oh. If you were quite. You know what we had? Uh, what did I see in the paper the other day? What did I see in the paper? I was surprised. Um, Careful, don't say it. No, no, no. I saw it in the paper, and somebody's story. It was off the Lions game. It was Briquette. He used a word oh, for extra. Yeah, after yeah, because he's Briquette. DeAndre, he can do whatever he wants. No, no. Uh, uh, I'm on. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Said he was running on the jet sweep, and he noticed this is a good way to get into the lines. And he noticed that the Washington def defense wasn't really ready for it. And he described their reaction as like, oh, great. Now we're bleeping again. No, we're not on Jeanette because it is in the Monday paper. I saw it. Do you not understand there are two different, there are different rules. Briquette has different rules. You have different rules. I have different rules. It's like the Jordan rules. Like, like Briquette can do whatever he wants. He get he has a no edit policy. Nobody changes anything he does. So we are quoting, we we're quoting, uh, you know, the Lions. Yeah, uh, they say a lot of stuff that we don't quote. So. Fun young receiver. And I was surprised to see it in there. Like, oh, wow, we're actually uh, kind of listening. That's probably going to go read that now and, like, call Briquette and, like, don't you ever do this again. Don't. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I used it. And I maybe I did. And I put I probably put expletive in there. You know I, what do. I, mean? I don't even try. It's, I don't, I get, I've given up. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't want to get on the uh, talking about the athletic and so forth. But they will. Their site, you know, other competitors out there that I guess we should not name, but what the heck? Everybody knows we compete against them. But you see language in a lot of these sites, right? And sometimes I think, Some. oh yeah, they're just being a little. They want to be cool, right? They want to be hip. I think when you, I think when you have to, in that case, I have no problem with it with St. Brown saying it that way because it, it needed to be, like the way he said it, it. But when they just drop a oh, expletive out of just randomly yeah there's no point in even using that because it's just an empty word but when he uses it to illustrate a specific like oh my god they, these guys were you know freaked out or whatever 
I think you should use it. And let's you, just face it. Who are we offending on the internet and on page six of the free press? You know? Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, apparently we're offending uh, on Jeanette. Um, I don't know. Maybe she would be less offended <laughs> if she spent a little bit more time worrying about getting <gasps> hits, <gasps> getting hits in softball, by She's the way, Mookie. speaking of words and uh, you, cause I, I thought you were going down the road of, you know, that the cursing is the, <laughs> the refuge for lazy minds or whatever. It's also, there are also lots of uh, thoughts that if you don't curse, then you're just kind of repressed and not being who you are. So you're not really yourself. So who knows? I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to make any kind of sweeping judgment. I am going to say, though, that for a wordsmith like, your, wordsmith like yourself, you used a word in your Tigers column that was a little, um, it was a little bit, it had a few syllables. And uh, the name escaped, the word escapes me all of a sudden. This is t- <laughs> This is terrible. It was a great word, but you can't remember what it was. I'm not necessarily saying it was a great word. It's the kind of word that you would give me crap for. And I thought, was that it? No. No. God, what did you, what word did you use? You should know. Come on. I don't know. I use a lot of words. And why isn't Andrew supposed to be the, oh, (laughs) I, hey guys, I'm not just a producer. I'm a researcher. Oh yeah. Well, where's the word? Is he stat boy now? Is he stat boy on? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. TMI. What's it called? Uh, I don't know that we want to call him boy, but um, yeah, he's a man, boy. right? Tony, what was it? Rioli, Rioli, or something? He's a, he's a man. Who said was that? Will Will Ferrell? Listen to us. Now we're dating ourselves. An anchor man. I'm a man. I'm a man who built the Eiffel Tower. That's the kind of man Andrew is, right? Is that is that what we're saying? Oh yeah. All right. What what the heck were we talking about? Oh, the lions. We were talking about the lions before we got distracted by talking about poop. Yes. So <laughs> they won, man. And uh, you wrote a positive column. I wrote a not column. As posi- not as positive as yours. No, mine wasn't. Mine was actually not as positive as yours. I wrote about the fun people are having out there right now. We. And um, you wrote it back. You wrote about how you personally believe in them. Yes. I just wrote. Wow, these people are having a lot of fun. And when's the last time you could say that? And I, I, I think you're right. They are fun. I don't know how good they are, but they're fun. And uh, how long is that going to last? Right? You actually went further and said, "I, Carlos Menares, believe in them." Yes, and and I did it because. So this is an example of everybody when people when people like certain other free press columnists named Sean Windsor give me crap about this. Oh crap! Great. Sorry about that, Andrew and Anjanette. Um. When they give me a guff about this, um, about what? When about I, what? Being positive? When I criticize, or, no, when or I saying people, I believe. I when believe. I criticize people and like, oh, you're just negative, and you criticize people, and you're just always a contrarian. No, I said this was a must-win game last week. I wrote it. I said they have to win. They have to beat the Commanders because this is a winnable game, and it's important to back up all this talk about doing things the right way, way and not quitting and having grit and blah 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 blah. And they did it. So if they had lost, I would have. I would have given them guff about it, but they won. So I decided, it. hey, man, it goes both ways. And I'm going to write a positive column saying they did what they needed to do in that game. It was impressive and they deserve full credit for that. And I don't know how many, when they're going to win again necessarily, but they deserve credit for that. So I wanted to be, I, I try to, believe it or not, I try to be fair, Sean. And this is an example of being fair to the, to the Lions about that. I love how you pat yourself on the back. Uh, and by the way, this is a trend I've noticed because our other, colleague who's a sports columnist his name is uh well we don't need to know oh, what the heck jeff seidel wrote a column gonna say mitch mitch Albert. yeah 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 there's mitch too there everybody's a columnist um <laughs> the, uh, oh now that i'm a columnist everybody's anybody can do it okay well yeah, no I, I you know i see chris solari and uh dave burkett you know their photos they're I mean, insiders yeah Not everybody columnists. we're we're really all columnists at this point it's 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 what people want they want to know what you think you just watered down my title thank you no i didn't to a point <laughs> jeff jeff wrote a piece about the tigers and that headline was here's why i believe in scott harris or something like that here's what i believe oh, and i was my. like i was like oh my goodness carlos is rubbing off <laughs> on everybody else what the heck is going on carlos <laughs> They're people. I'm. I'm influential, Sean. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, and it, as as I told you, my favorite part was when, when I was uh, kind of jousting with Campbell a little bit at the press conference, and and uh, he said my name, and like you were like, don't do it, don't 
don't quote yourself as being like, you know, named and like, oh, I have to do it. I got an email about it where someone like totally made fun of me. It was, it was just, it was just a highlight of my day. It was so fun to do that. Mostly because I knew it bothered you. No, it didn't bother me. What does bother me is that you would describe that playful interchange as jousting. This makes me question now your view of the world. <laughs> it was playful jousting. It was oh really little, okay low key. It was it was just a fun. And by the way, to the to the listener so not to the there, death, not to the death. No, no, no. It wasn't the last duel, which is actually a really good movie, by the way. Um, it was more it like was, Heath Ledger's jousting movie, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What was that called? Yeah, I can't remember. It anyway, was a, um, it was like a it was like a medieval movie with Led Zeppelin songs or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh or yeah queen, that was or queen that, maybe the, I can't the last night oh, anyway uh yeah and that, so, so just just to be clear uh coaches call refer to us by our first names all the time you know it's not anything unique or whatever but i just threw it in there i threw it in there for two reasons it, i think it, it made the quote more fun actually because i set it up saying you know like i was kind of arguing with him a little bit about this point that he wasn't giving hutchinson enough credit and so he specifically addressed me saying no 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 i am giving him credit carlos whatever you know like i love it and blah 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 so uh, I think it, I think it just added a little more context to the quote. Uh, yeah, but, tell yourself yeah. whatever you need to tell yourself. That's cool. I Any mean, validation, man. Yeah, insecure. Yeah. What do you want? Well, uh, I think most people in this business are right. You know what? And that's the thing we talked to. We also talked to Eiserman today about his pre. You know, uh, pre today. Cramp. Today, what, what's the, the other day? This okay, week, at some point, some determinant time oh. on the spectrum of time, or whatever. And uh, and he, he's actually really good about. Because he on it was on Zoom, so he can see everybody's name. So he's really good about saying, you know, well, if you ever asked a question, Sean, he would actually say, well, Sean, uh, I, you know, I disagree with your point entirely, but here's my answer. So why don't you ask questions? You never ask questions in press conferences. Why? I I often ask questions. It just depends, yeah. you know. Yeah, never, I, unless it's Izzo. No, that's not true. I ask questions all the time. Mm. I just I'm not I, I wasn't I wasn't uh riding off the wings press conference and I was just sort of listening huh. and um with Harris yesterday the questions I wanted to ask ask got uh asked so sometimes that happens it is it is a tricky balance sometimes you have a question and someone asks it and like oh, okay you know let me I'm not going to put my hand up in the air now or I got to take my and even today on the zoom someone said oh that question was already you know, you're in a queue. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. answered. I don't need that question anymore. I, I, I like answering. I like asking questions in smaller groups. I do ask them at you know games at the end of games, at times. But sometimes I don't want to ask a question because I don't. It's a proprietary, right? And as and as a columnist, you have a lot of freedom to write uh, what you think and your opinions. And sometimes if you ask a question about something that's in your head you're kind of putting another idea out there. And, um, and I've just always been a little bit leery of that. And, and I think part of it too, right. is like, what's that? That's right. Absolutely. Right. You don't want to give away what you're focusing on or what you're going to. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and you could say, well, okay, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you don't worry about it. And that's true. And a lot of times I don't, but there are times when there's something I'm thinking about and I'm fairly certain it's going to be my own kind of take. Not that it's any great take, but it's just, Maybe a little yep. bit different, different in some way. That's all. Not better, not worse, nothing. Just a little different. And I don't want to get it out there. So that you know, if it's a game, it just it just really depends. Especially with stuff like yesterday. Like I knew what I was going to write off of Harris yesterday. I would probably be the only one writing it. Now, again, not that that makes it special or anything. It yeah. doesn't. It's just different. And we're paid in part, right, Carlos, to have something that's that's a take or you know an opinion or some insider analysis that's that's your own thing what do you think i'm not paid at all this is all purely work release program for me so um i don't know well, you look good you, paid. you lost a lot of weight when you were locked up so you yeah good. yeah yeah it's it, it has its benefits it yeah. has its benefits um you, you tossed yeah. the iron around didn't you <laughs> yes yes the the leg irons um yeah, that's that. That's it's a it's a very this is too insider baseball. Problem. People like to hear about this sometimes with the media, but it, it's a tricky thing of you don't want to give away what you're going to focus on or write about. Um, but there's a lot of it. And, and I respect the people who don't ask questions sometimes, because if you don't have a completely unique question, 
so you're just taking up time and you only have so much time to ask questions in a press conference. And some people just cannot stop asking questions and they're, they're very mundane questions. And it's like, bro, are you really going to write about this? Is this just a fourth item in your notebook that you got to ask about some back of the end of the roster guy? And you're taking away the chance for somebody else to ask a more meaningful question when there's bigger questions at stake or bigger issues at stake. So that's where it gets selfish that some people just love to just ask a bunch of boom, boom, boom questions. Um, and I also don't like, uh, I hope people would believe this, but I do ask some hard questions. I don't like to just throw some softballs up there and how good, how excited were you about this guy playing, whatever I can, t- I, I can ask hard questions. I don't like the people steal those answers because there can, they can sometimes be uncomfortable questions and people don't want to ask them, but, oh, when I ask them and people answer the coach or whoever it is answers them. People are very happy to write about it and use that answer, but they're never going to ask that question themselves because they're a little afraid of the blowback, you know? So that's where I struggle with. Like, is someone really not going to answer, ask this question about a guy getting in trouble or a problem with the coach getting fired or whatever it is, I guess I'll go, I'll ask it and guess everybody else writes about it, you know? So it's, uh, sometimes you gotta just take it, you know, I, I tend to ask questions when I go, I tend to ask questions after games um, for one. The other time I like to ask questions is when I'm going specifically because I'm, I want to write about something and I want to ask somebody like I've done that a couple of times with the lions in the last few weeks where I've gone down there specifically to ask one question. And I wasn't really concerned with anything else in the press conference. Right. right? And so that's when I tend to ask questions. Also, I just, it's a very, it's not that I'm trying to get a specific answer. I don't want to lead uh anybody anywhere you know any coach or athlete or you know general yeah. manager anywhere but it's just i have a thought about something and i sure. want to know what they think about it right so yes yes and that's a that's the time to ask and, and i don't want to out people in the media but there are some people who just ask questions like are you going to use this answer at all this is just some, it seems like sometimes it's just a random thought that pops into somebody i'm just curious about this you know uh in general like you're taking up time we only have, especially with the Lions, the Lions cut off interviews real quick. Two more questions, like after, you know, three minutes or five minutes, whatever. So the window is very small. It is small. Like I tend to ask more questions on Lions games on the road because the group's a lot smaller. It's smaller. Right? It's a lot and smaller. I, and, and I don't worry about uh, losing, you know, any kind of, propri- I should say proprietary. That makes it sound like it's more important than it is. It's not, this is all <laughs> just silly business. And we're trying to, you know, I hope a few people read and have a, have a, a diversion, you know, in the day or whatever, but, but yeah, I, my silliest questions, Carlos, and I can't believe we got on this topic, but my, my silliest questions, my dumbest questions, my most ridiculous questions are, are definitely when I'm around basketball, because I get, I get too, excited about particular plays or strategy or whatever. And, um, you know, I got called out on it a little bit, uh, and NCAA yeah. tournament last year when I did that, because you're Izzo. not going to write about it. No, actually I did. I always do it. I was, it, I, in fact, what I'd ask about, I was writing about, I want to say Max Christie and I, and I wrote about him and I, you, of course I used it. I always do, but, um, you were flexing. No, 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 no. I just get excited. Do I do it with uh, Juwan. I definitely do it with Dwayne Casey. I uh, used to love to do that with John Beeline, you know, because he loved talking about that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you can get a little bit too carried away, right? Yeah, in in that way. So I've had. To I learn think that's that. it, when you're off to the side and whatever. That's the time to ask those kind of things, you know. Like, just I'm curious in a point and, and, of basketball. Yep, yep. Why do you do this or whatever? And that's instructive too. And we always do that. There's there's times where we can do that. But when you're in a when you're in a tight crunch and the window is small, you know, sucking up time to talk about some insidery thing, you know, it's like, bro, you know, we gotta we gotta move a you know, we, you're you're cutting someone else's question off by doing that. Did did you say bro or did you mean to say brosif? Broski, broski, broski. Ah, oh, God, I haven't heard broski in a while either. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let, let, you know, we. <laughs> You probably, probably ought to wrap this up. This was a nice line segment, by the way. We're, <laughs> we're going a little bit long, but let's wrap this right line before we get to my favorite thing. Let's slap this, Ryan. Wrap this. Oh line my God. Up. Are you having a stroke? Yeah. Let's wrap this line thing up real quick with this. Have you for, take out the the, the the question about how good they are or how good they'll be this year and whether they're going to have a five win team or an eight win team, whatever, nine win. 
set that aside for a second. When was the last time you saw the the fan base? And you know, I know not everybody, but a big chunk of the fan base feel this much um joy. I, I don't know how I just want to keep it simple, just joy with this team because I don't remember it. I, I know it's happened before, but I was trying to think of the last time I heard this. What I heard Monday morning is out and about in life, and you probably heard too. I don't remember the last time I heard that. Do you, what about you? And why? And tell me why Why? Why is this different? Because they're one and one, and they could easily be a 5-1 team. Um, it's different because of hard knocks and all the offseason hype and getting the new coordinator and – you know, um, adding Jameson Williams. Um, there's things that they've done this offseason that made it seem as though, and it's it's like this a lot, but this season, a lot of things, I mean, Hard Knocks is different, but the hype was there. They got a lot more attention than they normally do in most offseasons, um, nationally, locally. Uh, I don't know if you could tell, but going out to practice and training camp, I know Briquette would say that we never went out there, but when you go out there, there, there seemed to be more people charged up more media there more often, I think. Um, uh, and part of that's just, you know, when you, when you're on a television show, um, and there's all these cameras around whatever, you know, I don't know, people just get excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're making good on it's the offense mostly, right. They're scoring a ton of points. Um, they're having good production, even though they lost the first game, you know, it's, uh, I, I think they always hope that this team is turning the corner and there's a, there's a glimmer of hope that that could be true. And, you know, through the first two games, first two games at home, now they're going to go on the road. So it's going to be different, but, uh, yeah, it's been a long time, Sean. It's, I can't even remember the last time that they were, that there was this much, um, early season hope. And this is the second year of Campbell's tenure, right? It's not even, it's like, he's the first new coach. The, it's his first year. Let's see what he's about. We had a whole year to see what he's about. So it's actually kind of interesting that way. It It is. And I guess I'd wrap this uh, segment about the client lions. And for those of you out there listening, I'm putting the word lions in air quotes. I learned that trick from Carlos, by the way. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I understand the hard knocks. I get it. The, the draft, you know, all of that. I think it just comes down to the fact that uh, last Sunday against Washington, their offense, when the game got tight, put together a couple of drives that did not look familiar, right? I mean, we we, we saw Stafford occasionally win a game late yeah. uh, and, a, and a comeback. He led yeah. the league. He led the, He was near the – yeah, he did, a lot, he did that a lot. Yeah. What we didn't see – were early fourth quarter drives and late third quarter drives to maintain control of the game. We didn't see that very often. And, yeah. I, and, and the way they did it, you know, and Swift catching a pass, getting falling down on his butt, getting back up and scooting, uh, Saint, Saint, what St. Brown did, the idea that Williams is coming. But they, they're, fun, they're kind of fun to watch. Offense is always yeah. more fun to watch for most people, right? Yeah. I, I think that's just part of it, right? They're kind of yeah. fun to watch. And they're like, man, they might not be too bad offensively. And then I think it's even more fun that when they watch Monday night, Philly take it to Minnesota, thinking, okay, Philly's not so bad. So Philly's good. Yeah. You know, I don't know how good, but in any case, all right, man, we'll, uh, we got a lot of, we got a lot of Lions stuff to talk about as the season goes on. Yeah. Who knows? You know, it'll be a very different conversation. Could be a very different conversation next week. All right, let's, uh, let's get to the favorite things real quick and then uh, get out of here and let the listeners get back to their lives. <laughs> All right, Sean, my favorite thing. Uh, one of my favorite, favorite things uh, in a long time is um, I grew up a Steve Garvey fan in Los Angeles. Oh my Little God. Carlos. More Dodgers, more, more Dodgers. Dodgers. And uh, I was, I was a young kid and Garvey, he was a lot of people's favorite player and this is all before everything else happened. Right. Um, but he would, he'd be on the post game show and in interview and he'd say hi to his wife and kids and, you know, go to bed kids. I'll see you tomorrow. He just seemed like the like word cleaver basically, right. Playing first base of the Dodgers number six, he wore number six. It was the hardest number to always get. I just loved him. He was my first, uh, sports uh, hero, my, my, my favorite player for, a, and for a long time. And by the way, number six is still my favorite number. So um, 
I always wanted to play first base growing up playing little league and all that, but it was, I was not tall. So I, I never really got to play first base. So I played like third and second and outfield, whatever. Well, this year, Sean, on our free softball team that you haven't come to support in person, um, I've moved over to first base a little bit more. Um, uh, Mike Elric plays there a little bit. Jim Schaefer plays there. Um, but I've I found a little home there. I've been uh, you know, pretty good at picking the ball. And so because of that, I've decided, and my softball gloves more of an infielder's glove, I decided I had to go to Dick Sporting Goods and buy a first baseman's glove. And Sean, I can't tell you how long I've waited to want to have the excuse to buy a first baseman's glove. As you know, it's a little bit different. It's rounded. It's, it's got a little deeper pocket. And so little Carlos's dream of playing first base and trying to become Steve Garvey, the Steve Garvey. And by the way, Garvey was not tall. He was like 5'10", 5'11", whatever. If you obviously moved to Michigan State, he's an incredible baseball football player there. Um, and it just, it's coming, it's coming close to coming true, Sean. I'm, I'm going to finally be the first baseman in the mold of Steve Garvey that I always knew I could be. So that was my favorite thing. Having my first baseman's glove finally, after many, many decades that I've been waiting to, to own that thing. Steve Harvey, by the way, whose forearms were uh, wider oh than he was tall, right? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. God, I, I, I liked, uh, Ron say, wasn't he on those teams too? Penguin. Yeah, I saw yeah. I saw Ron say it uh, when his kid was playing at Cal. I went to a baseball game there one time, mm. and uh, Ron say was over there. He was a few bleachers away, and they don't get a bunch of fans. So it was probably like maybe a couple hundred fans in the stands. I was like, should I go see Hide of the Penguin? But I was always I, I don't like to approach people that I admire and whatever because if they're jerks, I, I just it'll just kill me that they're just going to be jerks and that you know don't. Don't meet your heroes. Everybody always says that, right? So is that why you is that why you never say hi to me out in the world or not doing the podcast? It, you said, well, you said to call you Mister Windsor and don't make eye contact. So that's yeah. That's why I, I just because you don't want to find out that uh, I'm a jerk. Davy Lopes came to my elementary school one time, actually. Really, my favorite player when I was uh, well, this is probably a little bit after Garvey and say I don't remember if they overlapped it, but I I loved watching Kirby Puckett play. Oh yeah. He was, a, he was, yeah. he was, he was small. He was smaller than Garvey and wider, yeah. but he was yeah. great. You, you just, you just, yeah, John, Cru John Cruck. What happened to the, the, the misshapen, not misshapen, but different shape and baseball player. How about that? Analytics can't have fat guys anymore. Fat, short guys are out. Yeah. Even if you can hit. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. Babe Ruth wouldn't have cut it. He would, <laughs> he'd be with the mud hens right now or something. No, nobody cut it. Nobody cut Syracuse it. Syracuse Clippers. So who was your first? This is getting off topic, but your first sports hero, who did you look to the most as uh, young Sean? Oh, uh, you shouldn't have a, to think about this. this no, is not a because good no, because it, there, there was a tie. There were there were a few a few players that I loved. I loved um, I loved Elvin Hayes, you know, because I lived yeah. in D, I lived in D.C. in the mid 70s when the when the back then they were known as the Bullets when the Washington Bullets, the NBA team, when they were really good. <laughs> the and names he, of the D.C. teams, man. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and he he was the center and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed watching him my favorite uh, football player in those days and it carried over because for I, I don't know why I, maybe because I was a military brat and I moved around and I didn't really have a team from any particular area so I just kind of adopted teams randomly I know some kids still do that but uh my kids grew up Colts fans and uh, one was a Colts fan the other was a Chargers fan because of Daniel Tomlinson and the other one was, was a Colts fan because of Peyton Manning because the Lions were so bad there. That that was the 0-16, remember all that? Yeah, yeah. How could you forget that? Uh, who's anyway, yours? Who's yours? Anyway, uh, Tony Dorsett, probably. Oh, yeah. I, I, I loved watching him run at Pitt, and then I just followed him to the Cowboys, and I already kind of liked the Cowboys. Yeah. I think I was living in Germany. No, maybe I was still in D.C. with D.C. when Dorsett came along, but uh, – Sweet. Yeah, and I loved. Uh, I just loved all those guys. Who who else did they have? Um, Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson. Uh, yes. Yeah. Staubach. But I just I loved watching Dorsett run the way he accelerated, how smooth he glided. Yeah. You know. So I was, was I was an Earl Campbell yeah. guy, but yeah, yeah, I know you like yeah. the finesse and the parabolas. No, I liked uh, Earl Campbell too, but he but Houston was a rival, and I liked the Cowboys. And yeah, um, yeah I like I like Campbell too, but yeah. They anyway. were friends. They were really good friends, by the way. Yeah, and I and neither one of them in today's game. No, you know, it's just right. 
I remember talking to Courtney Hawkins. You, you, have we talked about this on this podcast before? No. Mm-mm. Courtney Hawkins, who was a All American receiver at Michigan State in the what late eighties, early nineties. I can't remember. Had a eight nine year career in the league. Good player. Coached at Flint Beecher. He's now the wide receivers coach uh, at Michigan State. Anyway, I remember talking huh? to him one time when he was coaching at Beecher. I was doing a long piece on him and all the good work he was doing up in his high school alma mater. And we were somehow Earl Campbell came up. And he's like. Yeah, he was my favorite player when I was young, but he couldn't play in today's league because, you know. He did one thing. He ran over people, and the people that he was running over back then were 215 pounds running four 740s. Maybe that's – I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? But uh, it's not like the argument about Michael Jordan playing against plumbers. But (laughs) but it's it's the same (laughs) – it's the similar. It's a similar idea. Well, so. but that was what the league was. I mean, a lot of people. The, the if he had, if he was a lot, if he was playing now, his that wouldn't be his game. He wouldn't be trying to do that. He'd have to do things differently. Yeah, he would, and you'd wonder what that looked like. But uh, no, I I always admired Earl Campbell too, just the way he ran over people. But uh, he looked like Jerry Henry is who he looked like. Yeah, no, this is my favorite thing. I'm changing my favorite thing. I, I just in general, but no, my favorite thing is when we get off topic. I was thinking about this earlier on the top and the. <laughs> In the podcast, sometimes we get up talking. We never where it's going to go. That's my favorite thing of the of the week is when we get rolling like this and yeah. uh, getting silly. I think I think it's I really really enjoy that. So that's my favorite thing. Plus, it's yeah. quick. <laughs> All right, <laughs> who do we? Anjanette already cut us off ten minutes ago. Nobody heard I know, any of that. I know. Who do we need to? Well, if you were at the ML Solo Detroit the other day, you realize they go like hours and hours. <laughs> my God, it's still going. Yeah, it, it is. It is still going. All right, who do we need to thank, Carlos? Uh, producer Andrew Hammond. And we'd like to thank executive co-executive producers Kirkland Crawford and Anjanette Delgado. I think is her name, and of course the big guy Peter Batia, editor of the Detroit Free Press. And Without, where can you find the show, Sean? We can find it. Uh, well, I think we know where to find it but y'all can find it if you let my southernness uh, come out a little bit here y'all can find it at spotify you can find it at apple Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcast basically you can find us and when you get there carlos uh what what, what do you want them to do you need to subscribe and you need to like and and, and you know what leave us a rating let tell us tell us what you think good or bad we'd love the feedback from our one listener we do and we thank you for listening it used to be our former producer uh todd uh, Todd Davis, his father. Tad. No, Ted. Todd. What am I saying? Oh my Tad God! He's already dead to you. Yeah, I know. Tad Davis, his father. Todd, right? Andrew's going to bleep this out anyway. He's not going to. I, I mix him up. He was for a long time probably our only listener. So we want to thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Davis. How about I'm just, I'm just going to call him Mr. Davis anyway. He doesn't. He doesn't listen anymore. Not his kids off the show. All right, let's let's uh, let's let's get the heck out of here. We want to thank you all again for listening, spending time with us. We will uh, be back next week with more silliness and, uh, I don't know, ri- uh, revelry, whatever. You know, maybe we'll even pop a beer open. What do you say, Carlos? No, no, I don't do that. I, I don't I don't imbibe that way. I'm, we don't want to do that? Okay. Well, it's... Anjanette's mad again now. So we're going to get drunk on... Yeah, well, we're not plugging anybody. That's Andrew. He's sitting there saying, hey... Well, we get a, well, we get a beer sponsorship. It won't matter. Then, then we'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, no, no. This is how... Yeah, morals go out the window, don't they, when it comes to that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, man. It was fun. Uh, good talking. Uh, and we will be back here next week. <laughs>